Journey to distant realms. Explore the furthest reaches of the universe. Survive deadly dangers. Experience matters of the heart and more in a new actual play podcast. Join me, Audrey. That's right, just me, as I play tabletop games designed for one player. From journaling games to tarot games to even games that take me outside, I'm bringing you along for the ride. Join me for every episode of Alone at the Table. Hi everyone, I'm Andrew. Uh, Marn? And this is the Argonauts Podcast. Normally, every two weeks I try to solve an ARG and Marn tells me what I should have done instead. Uh, but this week we're doing something a little different. Uh, we have with us Alex Bale, a YouTuber, filmmaker, and Spongebob theorist who's behind uh, some of our favorite pieces, like Don't Feed the Muse, Pizza Time Pizza, and Old Root. Uh, Alex, Yay. welcome. Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me. Thank you for for joining us. <laughs> How yeah, you doing today? I'm really good. My my voice is a little sore because I just recorded a theory last night, and that always involves a lot of screaming. But uh, <laughs> I have a little honey lemon water next to me to soothe the throat, and I think I think we'll be good to go. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, I guess we'll skip the scream zone. I know that's how we normally start <laughs> the podcast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But no, uh, we wanted to have you on just to, to talk about, uh, you just wrapped up Don't Feed the Muse. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on, on seeing something through to completion, which is a, it's it sounds a little sarcastic, but like as a creator, that's an incredible task. So well done. <laughs> Thank you we so much. We were talking about that before you got on the call, how rare it is to see a finished <laughs> arg. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm very glad, uh, I, I feel very proud of it, and I'm I'm glad it's over. You know, I'm glad I can move on to other things. <laughs> yeah. Did it, did it feel like it was like hanging over you as it's going on? Like oh, yeah. the moment this is done, I can finally like spread my wings. For sure. I, I think every big project uh, does that. Um, but like, yeah, especially when it's like, it just gets, it just got bigger and bigger. It felt like every, every like pro- progression I made with this ARG I added like a new branch to it, and now every time I progress, I have to update every branch, and it just got <laughs> towards the end. It just became like a nightmare just to do so many things, uh, and it was it was fun and rewarding. But at the same time, I am glad to be able to just like have one project and focus on that one project instead of ten different mini ARGs at once. <laughs> With one of the things that was really interesting when we covered it, I had a. Going into it, I had a playlist that was just like, here's every video in chronological order. Um, to the point that I was just like, oh, this is weird. Why is, you know, I, I watched a, <laughs> a, an ad for, um, you know, a, a meat farm 20 minutes ago. Why did I watch that? What's happening there? <laughs> and then lo and behold, it was like, oh, no, this video came out a year ago. It just sat dormant and waited. How did you, I guess, when when you had the idea to make this series... 
how did you start like laying out the puzzle pieces or like chronologically for you how did this come about i guess is the real thing that i'm asking here i guess you know i I, i've always sort of had this idea for to tell this story just from like my experience being on youtube and experimenting with content and seeing what's popular so like you know the the themes in the story were things that I experienced and I kind of I, I I knew it was like a compelling story that I wanted to tell, um, and I've had the idea for years and I always thought hey this would be cool to incorporate into something if I ever like make a type of video that like gets really popular and I can make a bunch of it, um, and that just ended up being SpongeBob and I said hey this is a great opportunity to, to make this uh, underlying secret story that I've always wanted to tell. Um, but then I also was just thinking about, like, from my experience with ARGs, uh, they are, like, inherently very difficult to find an audience because they pretend to be something else that they are. They don't really, like, put a sign out saying, hey, this is a cool secret dark story it, you know at least for the ones that i do they usually pretend to be something else which is hard to attract an audience for especially with like they usually will rely on like one trailhead and if people don't look at that trailhead then you're kind of screwed um so i i, I thought if if i could like kind of make this branching arg with a bunch of different mini args that exist in this universe and kind of all tell this one story but each of them in their own different ways it would be a great chance to uh, sort of have a bunch of different trailheads in a lot of different places. And if one doesn't necessarily blow up, another one will, and they all sort of funnel back to the center. That was kind of the idea. It seemed, at least from the outside looking in, it seemed like you made like four or five different called shots. Like, <laughs> I don't know, Babe Ruth pointing at the fence before swinging and knocking a home run. Like, because... I know that uh, when I was hearing about this and realizing this, I know that I saw your, the the cynical critics, you know, why the why <laughs> the Dark Knight is an objectively bad film went viral on Twitter. Um, I knew that I had I, I had not seen the SpongeBob lore videos because that's not the side of YouTube. I, <laughs> it's not the side of YouTube I was on before your ARG you are came now. out. <laughs> I am now. Thank you for that. I get lots uh, of recommendations. <laughs> <laughs> it's an ARG designed to destroy uh, the YouTube algorithm. Yeah. How, how did you, I guess, how did you crack the code? Like, how did, what led you to say, like, okay, I bet this will get views? Because it seems like every time you did, it did. I think I've just, I've like, I've been on YouTube long enough experimenting with different stuff and, and like looking at what other people have done and, and done well to kind of learn a couple tricks. Um, like, like I said, this, this idea, I, I wasn't going to commit to it unless I had sort of a sure thing. Um, like if, like, uh, I didn't even commit to, you know, making this ARG until the third SpongeBob theory. And at that point it was like clear that I could consistently make these videos and they would consistently get views. Um, so that wasn't as much of a risk that was like, okay, this is a sure thing. Interesting. Um, but then, yeah, the, all the other branches with like the the, hap, the Happy Meat Farm, Cynical Critic stuff, um, those were risks. I, I had no idea if they would ever do well. Uh, but like I, I had, you know, seen those types of YouTube reviewers get a lot of hate attention on different social medias. I even literally like the, the viral post where he sort of 
tries to defend himself secretly but fails to. I had seen that exact type of post other where other mm-hmm. in other places, and I thought that would be so easy to fake. Um, right. So yeah, with with like the cynical critic specifically, you know, uh, I tried a bunch of different things that didn't initially work. Uh, like the 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 Dark Knight review didn't get many views when I first posted it, and I I tried like posting it to different discords and reddits and no takers. The parasite one got a little more, uh, a little more views because it was sort of a hotter topic at the time, mm-hmm. but still not a lot. So yeah, I was trying a lot of things that didn't work until like that viral Reddit post really like sent the cynical crit- critic kind of flying. And then, uh, the happy meat farms one, which I, I think that's probably the other big thing that took off was just, um, analog horror was really big at the time. And, uh, I, I I sort of took notice of a lot of the the tropes and visuals of those and made my own version of it and uh, yeah I don't I didn't I really didn't think the Happy Meat Farm videos would independently blow up as much as they did but uh, they they really did which was awesome that makes sense I hadn't thought about like the analog horror explosion kind of came basically halfway through this arc <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much sense though. So the SpongeBob one, you were just like, okay, I've kind of lucked into this and I can weave this in. Did the other one start as a, I bet I can do these things all together? Or did you just kind of braid things together as you went along? The other things, like, they, they came after the SpongeBob, after the ARG started. So they were they were very mm-hmm. much, like, attempts that I made uh, purely to, like, tell this story and hopefully hoping that each of these attempts would, like, blow up individually. And some of them did, thankfully, yeah. So, so they were they were all big gambles. Uh, the SpongeBob was really the one that was like I just sort of organically did for fun, you know, just mm-hmm. just because okay. I enjoyed I enjoy fan theories on YouTube if it's not obvious, and I enjoyed SpongeBob <laughs> theories. And I think specifically the thing that I noticed with SpongeBob theory topics was that there was not a ton of them out there, but the few that were out there were getting a ton of views like specifically the one Hmm. video that i saw that really made me like kind of clue into this being a potential gold mine was skin theory uh which is like a really long in-depth spongebob theory that's really fun but it's from a channel that like has no other videos and no subscribers and he just posted it and it got millions of views and that's like a very very rare impossible thing so when Hmm. i saw that i said this this might be like of like a really good opportunity to, to to make something. I actually just recommended Don't Feed the Muse to someone the other day, and they were like, oh, is that like a skin theory thing? And I was like, what is skin theory? That's my competition. <laughs> uh, skin theory is awesome. <laughs> it was, I've noticed lately as I look at YouTube, I see recommendations for these these theory videos and i'm just like is this one an alex or is this a different one <laughs> like is this especially as we were watching it where i would like boot up youtube and it'd be the first one and i was like hey wait a minute that's not on my list that's a different guy <laughs> especially since like i don't like really have like an alex bale logo like a, mm-hmm. game, a game theory branding in these thumbnails or titles mm-hmm. that like like lets people know like i'll have people like watch these videos and then comment and say like oh i didn't even realize this was the alex bale like arg guy like and, until like halfway through it is a, a weird pivot from your other the other <laughs> stuff that you've uploaded just like yeah let me talk to you about spongebob for 30 minutes 
<laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I have sort of experimented with content before, like, uh, even before Pizza Time Pizza, I, I, I have made sort of parodies of conspiracies about kids shows. Like, I, I made a Teletubby theory, like, a long, long time ago <laughs> when I first started out, and that was more of a parody than the, the ones that I kind of play straight now. And that video, like, got, like, a million views. Uh, so that was, like, an early sort of clue that, like, this is the type of content that will do well. I I think I said this out loud in one of our other Don't Feed the Muse episodes, and I was like, oh, shit, I gotta ask Alex, how many hours of Spongebob <laughs> do you think that you've watched? <laughs> All of them. All of the hours. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've probably watched every episode of Spongebob and there's 14 seasons. I, I, maybe I missed a few and I've probably rewatched a lot of them. Uh, and it's, yeah, it's not like over my lifetime. It's over the past two years more, just the first year, honestly. Um, so yeah, a lot. And a lot of times it's not fun. And a lot of times it is really fun. Uh, there was one point when I was like, I made it like a, a thing where, I would watch like two episodes before bed every day. <laughs> <laughs> Did this lead to like, do you have any theories that ended up getting scrapped? Or we were just like, I bet I could do something with Sandy cheeks. Then you're looking and you're just like, there's nothing here. Yeah. That, that, that is the whole like theory process for me is like, it's, it's not <laughs> even like writing the theory is not that hard for me once I find a really good topic that I like think there's something here it's finding the topic and the idea so I will like literally chase down so many leads and ideas and that lead to nothing and they're just wasted hours um but yeah there 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 is like a lot of uh sort of half-baked Spongebob theories that never got shown but I am I am working on sort of a final Spongebob compilation video that both shows the old theories but with some like new evidence sprinkled in and includes these uh new mini theories that were scrapped or that never were big enough for their own video um so one last little hit of the spongebob guy and then i'm done then i'm done (laughs) it is funny it is funny like to do this right after i made the biggest deal in the world about i'm not the spongebob guy anymore you can't force me just just one more um I, putting your cloud makeup back on yeah yeah i i think it's just because like honestly i like these theories and i have theories that i that i think are good that i want to share and why wouldn't i share them if i just have them sitting in a notes app uh so i'm just gonna like dump my head of all this spon- useless spongebob knowledge finally and i'll be done with it <laughs> You're just like, man, I did. It is thematically relevant for me not to do it, but I do <laughs> want to tell people about Larry the Lobster. Yeah. He was abducted by aliens. It is people a really need to good know. Theory, though. I mean, <laughs> people got to know about Larry the Lobster. That's the thing that always gets me. I, I watch um, one of my biggest YouTube guilty pleasures is uh, Quentin Reviews, who does the. Mm-hmm like eight hour victorious videos and yeah, stuff I watch where he's them. gone through. I watch, I watch all theory, all those, those types of content <laughs> on YouTube. And it's just like, I can't imagine being like six seasons into a show and being like, yep, I guess I got to power through this one too. Like it, <laughs> it feels rough, but there's gotta be that moment where like, you're just like, Oh, that's one line that like confirms the mm-hmm. weird thoughts I've been having for the past, you know, two months. So this was you, worth it to watch. You just described it, the whole, like, 
the 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 research process perfectly where like yes it is hours and hours of boring nothing to a show that like i don't really personally enjoy anymore um but then <laughs> I see like an Easter egg in the background and I'm like, holy shit, that connects to my theory. And it's like this big spike of dopamine. And it's like, it's, it's more, it's more excitement and fun than I feel watching any other movie. You know, it's, it's like just when you, after hours of work, when you finally find that little nugget of payoff, it's so much fun. That, that I'm, I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad you have that. Cause I, I surely don't. <laughs> Andrew feels nothing (laughs) especially about Spongebob I watch television shows and I'm just like ah characters (laughs) correct (laughs) is there one theory that you're like this one's my baby compared to the others did did any like really crystallize for you in a way that you were just I guess you started this just on your own saying maybe I'll get this out there and just make a fun video but are there any that like did they ever become just like, well, I got to wrap up, don't feed the muse, so I need another theory. Come on. Like, what can um, I find? I, I am actually proud of all of my theories. I don't feel like there mm-hmm. was any that, like, I had to force myself to make. I think, honestly, I made eight theories before I transitioned because I came up with eight theories mm-hmm. that I think were pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. And <clears throat> in this sort of uh, final SpongeBob video I'm making, I'm also ending each theory with like my thoughts on it so i'll you'll find out my ranking of like the ones that i kind of hate now and the ones that i love um (laughs) but in terms of the the one the one that's my baby the one that i'm the most proud of i would say it's it's not like the most like surprising crazy pearl's dead mom dark twisty theory it's the the television theory one which like Mm -hmm. out of all of them i kind of feel like if any of these are true it's the television Mm -hmm. theory because there's just so much evidence for it and it like really recontextualizes the show more than any of the other theories and i i basically use it as evidence in all the other theories too like uh yeah i don't know i'm just i'm very proud of that theory and i think looking back on them that's the one that like really holds up the most did you have all eight planned out before you started making them or did you kind of do some of them as you went? Definitely as I went, uh, like when I made this, this, the first William one that was like, I, I, I just had that one and like maybe like an inkling of like what the television theory would be. And then like once they started blowing up and I started considering like actually making this, uh, a big part of my life. I was like, okay, let's really look into every possible avenue. So, like, around the third or fourth theory was when I was, like, really peak into researching every possible thing. And that's when I kind of came up with, like, uh, most of them. At least, like, at least like the core idea of most of them. And then when I got around to making them, I would sort of flesh out the theory. But, uh, yeah, they, they, were, they were all sort of early on uh, I had the ideas for. And even these, these mini-theories I'm working on were also, like, some of the first theories I came up with that I've always wanted to share. So obviously you have the show itself. You've got, I guess the SpongeBob wiki. Are there any other like huge resources that have been helpful for you as you've been going through this? Anything like surprisingly, you're just like time for my daily login to 
SpongeNet or something? Like, is there <laughs> anything like it's that? It's really that... the Wikipedia in the show mostly, or the fan Wikipedia, the encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, why it's called that. Um, the only like other sort of extra material I would look at is sometimes there's like the spinoff shows. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there is like interviews with the creators or Comic Con panels, stuff like that. Um, but there wasn't a ton of that stuff. It was really, honestly, the Wikipedia is was like what made these theories so possible. Is like, you know, the, the Wikipedia is great because they compile so many uh, useful facts about each character, and even if they don't tell me the answer I'm looking for, like the 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 Mrs. Puff Wikipedia tells me every important episode to look at for Mrs. Puff. Oh, that's really okay. interesting. I yeah. didn't think about that. Which that makes a lot of sense. Which is funny because, like, I, I play it up in the in the, the theory, like, okay, just going to go rewatch every single episode now uh, just because I think that's funnier. Um, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there, there is sort of, like, a, a process to selectively narrow down the things to look at. I, I didn't consider – like, I guess it makes sense, but I didn't consider that there are, like – episode guides to specific characters in Spongebob. It's so detailed. It's crazy. And it's really funny. Like, (laughs) it's like the most minute details about a character. And when I'm reading this, I'm like, who is this for except for me? Like, why? (laughs) I I feel like I'm the first person to actually really appreciate the trivia section on the Larry the Lobster uh, Wikipedia page. Like, thank you. Yeah, I I, I hope they... uh, (laughs) Hope they know. <laughs> <laughs> so switching gears from the SpongeBob guy, uh, you made the, or I guess, however you would describe it. Did you direct the cynical critic stuff and the um, the conspiracy Carl stuff, or how did how did those come about when you were putting this all together? Yeah, I would say I wrote and directed all of the sort of side branches uh okay like uh for the cynical critic and conspiracy carl like i found those actors they auditioned uh and i i work with them and i pay them um and uh yeah it's just a collaborative process like i i will talk to them i'll give them the scripts tell them my ideas and then i'll also let them sort of develop and come up with their own uh their own ideas and, and improv a bit uh and i think both of them did like a fantastic job of like adding so much to the character that I, I didn't even come up with. Also, this is like a, a thing that I don't think I've told anyone, but both the cynical critic and conspiracy Carl actors don't even live in the same state as me. Oh my uh, God. Yeah. So this, yeah, this has been a very virtual uh, project for those. Like that has very much been like me telling them the script and my ideas and then they would just record it themselves and send it to me and I would either use it or give them notes and have them redo it. Um, it, Yeah. Apart from like the, the actual like crossover events, uh, which where I would actually have to either fly them out or fly to them. uh, It was very separate. That's so cool. That is. Yeah. What is the like virtual casting process for a fake <laughs> YouTuber like? <laughs> it's funny. So yeah, like I, I, all the people I did cast were just people that I kind of knew from previous projects because I I don't know how I would have like <laughs> got like even pitched this to the masses on like backstage <laughs> or something and been like it's you know it's this weird internet thing. Um, so the cynical critic Zach Freeman. 
he was a he was in a, a, a upperclassman in the film school I was in, uh, but he also had a lot of acting experience. Um, so he was really on board with it, and, and he's into weird stuff too. So he kind of got it. Um, Conspiracy Carl, who is Will Warden, he has acted uh, for some stuff for me in, in film school. Uh, he was he was actually in the my thesis film that I just finally posted. Oh um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he was just like a wacky character actor guy. And so, yeah, when I'm thinking like of this conspiracy theory character, I instantly thought like he would be a great fit. And I pitched it to him and he was just like, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you might like, people might know you as this like weird conspiracy guy. Are you, are you okay with that? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> They're great. I, yeah, it's it's they're really good sports about like because when I first pitched it, I was just like, it's this weird, you know, recording conspiracy stuff right now, but it's gonna get it's gonna become something so much bigger. And like I I kind of feel like every de it might like seem like nothing now, but I feel like mm-hmm. every detail will be picked apart by a larger fan base and by YouTubers one day. And that's kind of what happened. Yeah, I was I was really impressed, especially with like the turn of, like, the cynical critic videos into, like, kind of heavy, like, serious drama. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it was, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Uh, I definitely, like, when I came up with that character, I had, like, the arc planned. I knew, mm-hmm. like, these would start as these very fun videos, but, like, everyone would sort of, like, become more real and dramatic until, like, they sort of culminate into this big finale. I, um, so sort of along, alongside that, I, I had a question of my own that I wrote down, which was, um, for like the dramatic film stuff, like what was your, like what other pieces of media, I guess, were your like visuals, thematic touchstones going into it? And like how, like, did they change over the course of you making this? I'm trying to think about the early stuff, visual inspirations. I'm not super sure. Um, because, you know, it, it's kind of cool, like, watching this, uh, both, you know, Alex, the character, kind of grows and mm-hmm. changes. But me, as, like, a creator myself, I also kind of grew and changed as a filmmaker because those very first films you saw in, like, the very first SpongeBob theories were just me with like a DSLR by myself and maybe with one friend helping me. Uh, but yeah, I was kind of just doing everything by myself. It was not a real production. But then like as they got more elaborate, we added more people and more crew uh, to the point where like I kind of like no longer was even the one like shooting these things. I, I kind of like let my talented crew and friends take over like the the visual and the technical aspects of it um so yeah we we had a lot of discussions and they brought their own inspirations um i'm kind of blanking on like specific visual inspirations that we use later on um just a lot of like different specific horror movies i i some david fincher stuff um Mm -hmm. but yeah i i'm sure there's better examples i can't remember you know, one thing that really stood out to me is, um, you know, the first videos are just, hi, I'm in a basement or even just, <laughs> these are my words and I've got images on screen from SpongeBob. And then it goes to, now it's just me. Now it's you with two other people, but pretty self-contained. 
and then by the end you've got a a full you've got like a, a full like cast and crew and then you've also got a cast and crew on camera so it's like a bigger production yeah. than it even looks like um that's one thing that always boggles my mind is filming a fake film six. You're just like, yeah. oh, that guy's playing the director and another guy's yelling action, you know, like, <laughs> um, but how, like the, the scope of this obviously burst out as things went on to the end that it culminated in a big live action finale. How, how was that process of trying to put all that together and get everything, you know, what started as SpongeBob videos are now a big, you know, 30 minute film production. How did that bloom out? Yeah, I, I mean, it was it was natural. Like, uh, <clears throat> it was nice. I didn't have to just immediately jump into something big. I could like sort of slowly build up to it. Um, <clears throat> but uh, yeah, it, it was a really good learning experience for me because like this is the biggest scope project that I've ever worked on. Uh, mm-hmm. I like I had never like really had like a full crew like this before. Um, and it was scary, you know, every, every like actual, like don't feed the muse film I made, there was like a lot of new challenges that I was out of my comfort zone. But, um, you know, you just sort of have to push yourself and, uh, and trust the people around you. And I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed what, what we made, you know, uh, specifically like in the final one, like there are scenes with like 20, 30 people and I've never directed more than like two or three people before so those were very yeah i was very nervous for that those experiences um but i I, i'm really glad that i did them and i'm really glad that um i got to grow from it um and honestly the the other big thing was like really like learning to sort of give up control of a lot of the aspects of it like like i said like the first ones was just me and a camera and maybe a friend helping and like towards the end, like we have a production designer, we have a talented DP, we have, we have people that I trust that are way more talented than me at their specific uh, crafts. And I, I think it just really benefited from me giving up control. <laughs> trying to think of how to word this question. Did Uh-oh. it like, Oh, did you ever get like self-conscious about explaining to the crew, like, yeah, this is about Spongebob. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It was, yeah, it was actually like, that's like the one thing that I, I, I am the, the happiest to be done with this project is that, you know, when like people are like, okay, what is it? I'm like, well, it starts with like Spongebob conspiracies on YouTube. And it's like, it's the hardest thing in the world to explain. Um Luckily, like, a lot of the crew on these films were just, like, my really close friends from film school. So they mm-hmm. kind of they kind of already got me. They, they understood the weird stuff that I do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, there was, like, new people that got involved that I had to explain it. I think the most awkward thing was, like, just trying to explain it to strangers. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like, you know, my mom had trouble explaining it to, like, her friends because it's just so weird and complicated. Like, no one knows what an ARG is. And, like, how Spongebob conspiracies turn into a film. Um, so, yeah, I, it was awkward, definitely. And I'm excited to be working on, like, a feature film where when people ask me what it is, I'm like, oh, it's just a film. That's all you need to know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't imagine 
<laughs> being your mom and being like, no, my son's a filmmaker right now. He's working on a film about how he hates making the films he makes because <laughs> they're about SpongeBob, but he chose to do it. So I'm not sure exactly why he's making it, but you know, yeah, my mom's actually a big fan. She, 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 Good. she keeps up with, with all the, all the ARG aspects. Aww. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That rules. Yeah. I, I, I feel like this, I feel like I've had a hard time like selling this as a series to people because I have to be like, well, it, like you have to watch the SpongeBob conspiracy theories and then it like kind of gets into the <laughs> like the cinematic stuff, but like the conspiracy theories are important. Like you have to watch. Them. <laughs> yeah, that's the challenge. That's why I kind of like made the "Don't Feed the Muse" like mm-hmm. compilation videos so that it was a little more accessible to other people. And that's mm-hmm. also why, like, I, I wanted to do this branching ARG approach because I, I know, like, people are just going to get turned off by the idea of having to sit through SpongeBob theories to understand this lore. So I also sold it as Happy Meat Farms, which is, which is more of a cool analog horror thing. And it's funny, like, people that, like, found it through Happy Meat Farms, some people have, like, stop there like they they are aware that it's bigger and there's like a weird spongebob thing involved but they're like yeah i i, I kind of want to stick with the with the cool animal experiment thing i don't really want to watch spongebob theories <laughs> it's which really is funny. funny yeah yeah i know people like kind of worked on that as like its own arc and then there was like a moment in in people like working on it and solving it where they were like oh son of a bitch it's alex Bell." <laughs> <laughs> it's all connected yeah honestly that that was like the most fun for me is when i first launched these branches completely independent of the arg without like the big connections and Mm -hmm. i got to see like a little sort of community form around the cynical critic or something and then the moment they realize wait a second i'm just looking at the tip of the iceberg here there is actually so much more content to look at was always really fun for me (laughs) Did you have like a strategy for keeping those different branches like separate and making sure that they felt like their own thing? Because between Conspiracy Carl and Cynical Critic and Happy Meat Farms and SpongeBob, like they're not until they like look directly into the camera and say, I'm connected to Conspiracy Carl. (laughs) They don't have that kind of connective tissue. How did you keep those so separate? And so make sure they're not, they don't even feel the same. Yeah. Um, Well, one of the, initial ideas with these uh, branches would that would be like these aren't just like little like tiny extra parts of the stories these are all their own story and they were designed in a way Mm -hmm. where that you could literally only discover the Alex Bale or the cynical critic channel and engage with that material and still kind of have like an entertaining satisfying experience um like even if you don't fully understand the entire context of the story and every single detail, you could kind of figure out what the deal is with each character. And that mm-hmm. was an idea going into it. Um, I, I just kind of wanted to like respect each fan of each channel and stuff. Like that's, that's why in the Alex Bale film stuff, they don't really uh, have too many like crossovers or you don't really need to watch all the other stuff to understand them. Because I know there are people on that Alex Bale channel only watching the Alex Bale film stuff. And mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I don't want to make it inaccessible for anyone. Like a, a big part of this was trying to make a very accessible, 
easy to follow ARG for a lot of different fans. Um, and then just also making them feel different. I think, you know, the whole, the whole reason I made these branches was like creatively so that I got to do a bunch of different things. Like I, they're all kind of telling a similar theme and story, but they wouldn't be fun for me unless they were all like had their own fun take on it. And like some of them could get into like weird body horror or some of them could have uh, Sonic the Hedgehog animations. <laughs> I was <gonna> say. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wanted like, it, it was really fun that I wasn't like creatively trapped into just making SpongeBob theories or just even just making films. You know, I got to like do so many different fun things. Lest we forget about Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> got a sticker of Sonk the Blue Rat looking Hell back at yeah. me. Hell <laughs> yeah! Buy my merch. <laughs> What's that URL? Uh, I don't even know. Let me pull oh. <laughs> uh, Teespring.com slash stores slash Alex Bale. There you go. There you go. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> We had a couple questions about, like, the effects for this, and just, like, kind of, like, the, the creatures in general. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my question was, uh, did you, did you have, like, different concepts for what the muses were gonna look like before you settled, or were they always gonna be what they were? I guess, you know, I always loved the idea of, like, a, uh, tentacle monster thing. Um, I knew like early on the idea with this monster, which was sort of the hook of don't feed the muse was what, what is this monster? What does it look like? I wanted to sort of drip feed the audience a little bit more about this monster every time you watched it. So I knew at some point we would just be able to see just a little bit of it and Mm -hmm. having it have tentacles, just showing a little bit of the tentacles feels like a very strong, just hint to like, let your imagination roam. Um, but yeah, I didn't have a super strong idea of what exactly it looked, the full creature looked like until we fully showed it and it was time. And then I just sort of scribbled something on a piece of paper <laughs> and gave it to my 3D modeler, uh, Patrick Foley, and he made that. Um, <laughs> the only other sort of design thing that like I had from the beginning was I really liked the idea that it had a bunch of eyes because... You know, they're kind of the muses are always sort of watching you, so I wanted to incorporate that. Oh, well, that each makes one sense. is watching a different episode of SpongeBob. Yeah, to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I know friend of the friend of the show, director of the network, Riley Hopkins, also wanted to know just like what was your favorite effect in general that you got to work on for the whole filmed bit of it uh for sure the the face splitting open um oh yeah so cool i i like i don't know i i'm not a crazy vfx guy so like tackling that sequence we're like okay we're gonna have clones we're gonna have a face open up we're gonna have a tongue come out and the tongue's gonna grab alex and then he's gonna drag him back like i i that was one of the things that i was like pushing the scope and i was like how the fuck do i do this um (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it was just a lot of experimenting, um, and I just kind of figured out, like, if, you know, the way that I did that, from, from, from my part at least, was, like, I just stood still, and then I moved, I slowly moved my face to the left, and I slowly moved my face to the right, 
and then I just sort of took each sides of my face and like masked it so that it was like slowly opening. And then I uh, worked with uh, an animator, Andrew Bell, my friend from film school, and the 3D modeler, Patrick Foley. And we kind of together figured out how we were going to do this. And yeah, I, I think it looks great. Um, I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, the some of the effects in this series like aren't movie quality because this is very much like an indie production. But I feel like that one effect, I love the way it turned out. And it's so cool. <laughs> Yeah, that was the one where I, I popped off and I was like, how the fuck did they do that? Like, this is a YouTube video. Yeah. <laughs> it's so scary. I love it so much. I really, I really also like, like, I, I know, I know that, like, we've talked about this kind of off, off mic. I like the color theory in, uh, in a lot of the film bits. Yeah. Right? I like the, the sort of encroaching yellow. Yellow of means the- SpongeBob. <laughs> it's Hold good. On, let me get my notebook. Let me they're write gonna, this down. They're gonna teach about it in film school. The, the symbolism <laughs> of yellow in this in these episodes. They're gonna be spirited debates over what yellow could mean. <laughs> I yeah, I, I really I I like that. I like kind of like the the SpongeBob t-shirts and stuff kind of like seeping into your wardrobe. I thought that was very cool. Thank you, thank you. Um, the thing that you pointed out on Twitter, uh blew my mind recently where like whenever you show the theory videos as like someone in universe is watching them they're always the length that they should be and like they don't have the length of the live action segments added to them (laughs) thank you yeah i think i did that probably honestly for bragging rights honestly just because like (laughs) if if people notice this It'll blow their mind because, um, yeah, I, I was just making these videos and I was like, oh, this doesn't really make sense. But no one's going to notice. But also I could spend a bunch of time painstakingly photoshopping every time I show the thumbnails and it would just be this cool detail to sell the immer- immersion. Um, and it, it like, yeah, I show those thumbnails a lot in every theory. So there was a lot of like making sure that they were all right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I love you could tell from my theories. I love hidden details like that and i i i love uh including stuff that like hopefully people will find and it will just sort of make them make them really happy when they see it i yeah i i am admittedly a huge mark for stuff like that where like a director will point to something and be like you didn't notice this but here's this thing that i did because i care about the continuity and every time i go (laughs) oh shit yeah i've got more of those things uh that i don't think have been noticed yet (laughs) Are there any that you, like, put a... Well, I guess, like, the timestamps thing, but, like, that you put a lot of time and effort into that, like, nobody has found yet, and every time you're like, hee 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 I did this and they don't know? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's definitely stuff like that. I think the most of them... I, I think on Twitter I did talk about, like, the, um, the immersion details mostly, uh, mm-hmm. but there are... There are lore secrets that people haven't found, and then there are also just, like, symbolic stuff that I haven't seen people talk about. Like, there's a lot of motifs in throughout these these theories, or throughout these films that uh, I have set up that I haven't really seen people talk about. Like, I know yellow and black, people talk about that a lot, like, mm-hmm. taking over. Um, but white is also an important color, uh, sort of representing, like, creative integrity, uh, and mm-hmm. like your your true self, and uh, 
I sort of played around like with characters having white or not having white or losing their white and gaining it back. Um, so yeah, just just stuff like that. That like uh, little little details that make me happy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know you also said on Twitter you did kind of an immersion thing where, like, the puzzle trailheads only appear on, like, the quote-unquote, like, leaked videos and not on the website. And that kind of fascinated me because I, I, I felt like Pizza Time Pizza didn't really have that restriction. It was, it was just like, you know, whatever, like, there's puzzles, they exist for everybody. Um, and was it, like... Did it feel different to kind of have to write those puzzle trails that had the restriction of, like, this is something that exists, like, in-universe in and that kind of, like, everybody in, in the universe can can see and, like, the, the players are, are effectively, like, participating in this, like, sort of canonically, sort of extra canonically? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was actually, like, it made it a lot harder. Uh, just mm-hmm. to, like, I, I, I have this information that I have to share with the audience, but how do I share it in a way that, like, makes sense in the universe? <clears throat> and it's especially hard because with these characters, you know, uh, specifically, like, the cynical critic and conspiracy Carl, the only real interaction we have with them is through the content they make and an idea in this, in this, uh, this web series is that people are sort of putting on a front in the content that they make. They're not presenting their two, their mm-hmm. true selves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how, you know, how do we find out what's really going on with the cynical critic? If he's clearly not going to like, just take the camera and explain it to the audience about his mom and everything, you know, it, it was a challenge to like, I have to like hide these details here, but also like figure out a way to hide them. That makes sense when these characters probably don't even want the audience to know about all this stuff. So I had to come up with stuff like, Oh, he accidentally shows his emails for a second and, and stuff. Yeah. It was, it was a lot of like weird challenges like that. Yeah. I, I know someone also asked like, how long did you expect people to take to like, find those little details and like solve the puzzles? Like, did you have, did you set up some of this stuff with a timeline in mind being like, Oh, like by the time I put like this next video out, like they'll have found X, X and X thing. I think I have enough experience with like dealing with an ARG audience to kind of mm-hmm. be able to tell, you know, which breadcrumbs they will find and which are too much or too little and how long it'll take. Like, especially like with, with the experience on old route and just like watching them, deal with varying difficulties of puzzles um (laughs) so yeah i i think um you know i gotta give credit to like the the audience like they they did find a lot of things very quickly um like i i knew like okay as soon as this video goes out it's really gonna this is the thing that connects the cynical critic with alex bale and i have a feeling like you know in a few days or pretty quickly they will figure it out they do they do uh even with like the straight up ARG parts, like the Paradox thirteen thirteen, that are literally like mm-hmm. puzzle solving. Like, I, I tried to make those codes hard, but I know like a hundred people in a Discord, very <laughs> uh, <laughs> like working nonstop to solve it. They're gonna solve it in like a day. Yeah, mm-hmm. or or they're gonna brute force it, <laughs> or they're gonna brute force it, which they have with some, <laughs> and, and then I'm butt hurt because I put a lot of effort. Into the- yeah. <laughs> oh my god. 
yeah, there's there's definitely some where like I I I feel like they they've been harder and less fair than others, uh, but I'm just like they're just gonna be trying random shit for many hours. They're gonna figure it out eventually. Um, yeah, yeah. I, there hasn't been that many instances of actually brute forcing. Um, it's been like once or twice, but uh, I think for the most part, I've kind of learned the the best balance of creating a hard puzzle but making it fair and like leaving enough clues so that like, even once you've solved the puzzle and look back on it, you're like, okay, this is how we were supposed to know to solve it this way. There, it, all the clues were mm-hmm. here. I think controversially, sometimes it's okay to make your players take a lot of time on something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think it's that controversial. I think non-controversially ARG players should suffer. Uh, that's, <laughs> And sometimes they do it to themselves. <laughs> sometimes they brute force a code and then you scream it's octal at them for four hours and they're like, no, it couldn't possibly be octal. Did you guys find when I when I was made pizza time pizza, um, at some point people realized they could like look through the code on the Wix site to like just find all the other pages? So then once mm. once I discovered that and I was pissed off about it, I included like an extra page just to fuck with them. And it was just like it like it, it teased like, oh, this is the video that or the, the website that has all the, the the answers. You did it. But then it's just like, <laughs> fuck you. I know you're cheating. I need to talk about that. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. That. <laughs> Meanwhile, we accidentally did that in our ARG and just went in the Discord and we're like, Please don't look at the passwords. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> I don't know how to code, so I set something up, and a friend of mine was like, you know you set this up where if you click the JavaScript, it says, like, if they type password, let them in. And I was like, well, <laughs> don't look at the JavaScript then. Yeah. I think the, the good thing about ARGs, though, with these codes is, like, the value in this puzzle is not necessarily just in when they're solving it, you know, the puzzle does not become this useless thing to forget about as soon as they solve it. You know, it mm-hmm. ARGs, you look back on it and you, you, you talk about how they solved this puzzle and that journey that they took sort of becomes part of the story. And it's, it still just like has so much interest after the fact. So even if like in the moment, the puzzle solving is like ends up being too hard or too easy. It's always still cool after the fact, you know, looking at the puzzle itself and the the journey people took. Yeah, and I I feel like even, like, within one ARG, like, some of that you can kind of use to build up, like, a specific puzzle language of that ARG or, like, as a creator that people would be like, oh, okay, like, these are the kinds of puzzles that, like, we can expect to solve later on. Like, we've talked about on, uh, on other episodes how, like, Allison Smith the the ARG company really likes giving people puzzles that's like go identify like this piece of art and come back and like put in the title and so like people who play their ARGs know like okay we're gonna have to like look at a piece of art and yeah. find the title they know the drill <laughs> yeah exactly well, 42 Entertainment's just like where's your nearest payphone <laughs> yeah I, I do really love the way that in ARGs and I mean all games but like gameplay is its own kind of narrative that forms Mm -hmm. and informs everything around it. 
Arcs are cool. Hey, you guys hear about <laughs> yeah. this, these arcs? <laughs> Turns out. They made a cool math games arc. That's cool. I heard about <laughs> that. Yeah. I really want to talk about that on, on this uh, on this show at some point. <laughs> the real problem with this show is that uh, I can't play in arcs anymore because... Someone will be like, oh, there's a new a new thing you like has an ARG. And I'll be like, oh, well, Marn probably wants to tell me about it in three years. So <laughs> yeah, I guess hear, I can't do anything. Did you hear that Magic the Gathering is doing one? Are they really? Yeah, they're doing like a like a sort of ARG thing to promote the new set that's murder mystery themed. Oh, that is... Hmm. Marn, I'm breaking <laughs> the format. I'm doing the next ARG. You can't yeah, watch you it. Pl- you can't you watch play it, it and then tell me about it because I feel like you'll derive more enjoyment from that. <laughs> as so, as you were in the form of like starting to put this all together and coming, you know, bringing everything in, were there things that you like initially thought about bringing in but decided to scrap along the way? Yeah, I you know. Early on, I was, like, considering, like, a lot of different types of characters or a lot of different types of stories that sort of just fit the mold of, like, someone who had a a dream or an idea but had to sort of change it and corrupt it for the sake of success. There, there's, like, an infinite mm-hmm. different amount of versions of that story. Um, you know, I considered, like, a Let's Player type of channel. Um mm. I, I considered, like, a, a reaction channel, uh, especially because there was a lot of people reacting to my videos. Oh! Um, <laughs> one that I, I was I was close to doing uh, w- would be a super meta one was an ARG coverage YouTube channel. Oh, my God. Uh, and it would be, like, it would be, like, this channel that popped up out of nowhere that was covering the Don't Feed the Muse ARG, but... You know, people will be like, wait a second, this video is in the universe of the, wait, what the hell? Like, it oh, would, it that would have been so good! I know, I, I was close to doing it, but it was just like, um, I didn't have anything to say about ARG coverage channels. Mm-hmm. Like, it, all of these are like a critique in some other mm-hmm. form, and you know, I don't know, I like I like ARG coverage channels. I, I don't think there's as strong of a story there in terms of like selling out or something. It it's does feel int- very like looking directly at your audience and being yeah. like, oh, you like these guys? Oh, you like Nightmind? Yeah. It's like, I don't know, if you were selling out, you wouldn't be an ARG channel. You'd cover something <laughs> something that gets more views. You'd be a SpongeBob yeah, exactly. You'd be a SpongeBob theorist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's it's interesting what like specific genres of YouTube channel you can like kind of get away with that kind of commentary on and what are just like too niche. <laughs> well, and even I, I love when it branches out a little further and you're just like, yeah, the, the Kickstarter movie that like kickstarts on a cool premise and then sells immediately to a studio and they change <laughs> everything. I, 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 I loved that. And just the immediate, like, let's just do an extended riff on Cloverfield as a franchise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when I was getting to the point where like, I want to like, start and end branches really quick i don't want to like add another thing that i have to update every every Mm -hmm. like month i want to you know just like a little self-contained side thing no i thought that i thought that worked really well yeah they were fun they were fun i liked uh having wesley's actors over i'm like all right we're gonna pitch a fake movie (laughs) (laughs) with the 
with the paradox stuff, did anyone like legitimately think that it was a new Cloverfield arg? Because I, I feel like I could see that happening. You know, at, out of like all of these sort of attempts to go viral, I was, I will say the the paradox thirteen thirteen Super Bowl thing was like the one that really did not take off. Um, you know, I, it, there's swings and misses. So like, yeah, I, I kind of I made that. Uh, I had the idea and it worked in the story, but I made that because this idea for like, okay, let's make a fake movie trailer, let's make this really cool, edgy, dark ARG with it, and let's even like try and convince people that it was like dirt played during the Super Bowl. The idea was like, maybe this would actually like blow up and people would actually think this is a real movie or this is actually even like a Cloverfield thing. And it didn't really, uh, like, I did get comments being, like, either saying, like, oh, is this Cloverfield or is this a Cloverfield ripoff? Um, but, yeah, it, it didn't, like, ever reach the level of it, of the other stuff. Um, but thankfully, like, with, with the way I structured this, you know, if, if that was the entire ARG, just this little Paradox 1313 thing, you know, I'd be kind of screwed if it didn't take off. Like, I, I might never find an audience for it, but... Since it is like attached to this bigger ARG with other things that like took off and did well, it still will get the attention that I think it deserves, and I can still sort of use it to tell the story that I wanted to tell. Yeah, I know. I know we got a question on Twitter that was basically like, "Did any of these like not go as viral as you hoped, or was there anything that like?" you tried to make go viral that didn't. And so you then kind of had to like abandon it as a, as a trail. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the one is the paradox 1313. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wouldn't say I had to like really abandon or change anything. Uh, like even if it did become this super popular thing, it wouldn't have like gone any bigger than it actually was. Cause it, yeah. it served its purpose narratively. And uh, yeah, I, I it, it works regardless of whether it succeeded. I feel like that was also the thing that I saw people identify very quickly as, like, being a part of, like, a larger ARG. Like, I feel like once mm-hmm. I saw that hit, like, Reddit and, like, the usual, like, ARG circles, people are like, oh, yeah, this is, like, don't feed the views. Like, this is not its own thing. Um well, I, you, you mentioned this in, like, the one, one of the podcasts, but, like, the, the description that said, like, directed by Alex Bale and stuff, mm-hmm. that was not there until kind of recently oh. when oh, I was, like, trying to give, like, proper credits to everyone. Like, you know, when we made that, I actually, like, that was one, one of the few films that I, like, actually outsourced. And my friend Andrew Bourne, who was in film school at the time uh, in Florida... He, I, I, I pitched it to him. I was like, "Hey, you want to like film this for me? You want to go to a party and just low key film this?" And that was a, that was a real party, by the way. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, uh, awesome. I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. But it, they, yeah, they they pulled off a little uh, heist film right there. Um, oh, that's, that's incredible. incredible. <laughs> but in terms of like people figuring out it was me, um, they they didn't figure it out until they actually like solved the entire like puzzle through the paradox 1313 website which only really took them like a day or two um mm-hmm. okay. and the the final like the end of that puzzle kind of tips its hat and says like a happy meat farms entertainment production and that was the point when people are like wait a second <laughs> is this and it was funny because like people playing it some of them like were 
like familiar with the ARG and were players on like the the actual the bigger ARG, and they're like, "Oh, come on, <laughs> <laughs> is this fucking Alex Bale again?" That was very satisfying. Um, <laughs> that is, that is. I feel like the fun part of doing like an ARG with so many disparate branches is like seeing a bunch of people solve it, and they get to the end, and they're like, "Are you?" fucking for real like yeah <laughs> i thought this was a different arg i thought i was getting a movie yeah <laughs> <laughs> i thought jj abrams was here now i gotta watch a bunch of fucking spongebob theories <laughs> Would you, like, would you ever want to do anything with this many branching paths again? Or has this kind of taught you, like, no, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> Did this teach you restraint? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm really, I'm not opposed to doing anything if, if I just have an idea that I love. You know, I, I, I I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm all for if chasing ideas that, that, if if this if I have an idea that I love and this is the form to tell it, then like even if it's gonna like take over my life and kind of be a nightmare at some point, like this is the way I gotta tell this story, you know, this is it. So yeah, I'm not opposed to it. I'm not like wanting to jump back into this again anytime soon. Um, I yeah, I'm really excited about uh, experimenting with like longer films and, and movies and stuff now. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see where that leads. I agree. But yeah, I do know that for this, it does feel like, yeah, there's one way to tell a story about, you know, YouTubers becoming obsessed with the thing and trying to deal with the fact that they are becoming a thing that they hate. And that's why making a bunch of YouTubers become obsessed with the thing and then realize that they hate the thing that they've become. And I think that this really plays into the, the strengths of that medium like that. I, I love the way that you set it up where, Part of the 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 game itself in in capital G is like, oh, we found out some behind the scenes stuff of like what's in this guy's email inbox and the ways that I get to see behind the lives of a creator, and it turns out they're all in, dealing with a weird cow thing. I'm not entirely sure what that is, but <laughs> they've all got this thing in the background that's influ- influencing them as they go through this. I think it's a really cool way to explore that and to look at like the drive to create that you get even as you're just like, am I even enjoying the thing that I make anymore? Or am I just making it because it's what worked? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I really, you know, when you think about this story, like you couldn't really tell it as a movie, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like mm-hmm. you, you could, if you changed it a lot, but it just really wouldn't have the same impact if it wasn't told in this specific way. And even like had these specific, you know, uh, risky elements kind of pay off and go viral in different ways. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm really, I'm really happy with, with how it turned out. And like this, this gamble of telling this story this way on this very, this many year project uh, works. And I, I, I'm, I'm glad I stuck with this idea from the start. It also like, it has that really interesting element that I, put, I, I feel like you wouldn't necessarily get anywhere else of, like, you are encouraging people to actively sort of invade these creators' privacy and, like, 
obviously there is that little bit of like assumed kayfabe there like they're not real this is an ARG but like it is a very interesting thing to have in an ARG that is a little bit about like YouTube creators not enjoying the thing that they do and like having a parasocial relationship with their audience yeah yeah (laughs) that is really interesting I guess, like, how much of this ended up being a a pre-production, like, we know what we're doing, I know how I'm going to launch this, I've got this idea to roll out, and then how much of this was the classic ARG, you know, trains a roll and I got to put down the tracks ahead of me as I go? Like, how was, how did that work break down for you, I guess? I think a good amount was planned from the start. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a lot of that came from, like, after finishing Pizza Time Pizza, like, yeah, some of Pizza Time Pizza was planned, but a lot of it was, like, just cool ideas I had. And I ultimately didn't feel very satisfied with where Pizza Time Pizza ended. So, I, you know, going into this, I'm like, I really want to, like, choose the central idea and the central theme that I want to explore and stick with that. Um, so, yeah, like, like the stuff, like, uh, the arcs of every character, like, I knew... With Alex, I, I knew his arc would be, like, slowly descending into becoming more and more of the Spongebob guy and giving up himself and having to keep making these, like, morality choices about, like, feeding an animal to the muse or uh, giving your friend a muse. Like, that was all very much planned from the start. Um, but there was also things that, like, did sort of come up along the way but they didn't feel like they were just like last minute inclusions because I was still very much just organically going off of like the central idea that I came up with and the, and like the narrative I wanted to explore. Um, like I, I knew that I wanted to like eventually like branch out and tie it all back to like one sort of sinister sort of evil company that's behind it all. Um, but I didn't know exactly like what it was going to look like. Um, at one point it was like, a maybe even like a talent agency. And that would be how it like reaches out <laughs> to each creator and it represents them. But that just wasn't very fun to me. And I was losing interest. And then one day it kind of just clicked that like, we already have this setup of meat being important to the thing. And, all of these like factory farms in real life, Monsanto's and the food ink documentary stuff that I was kind of already kind of interested in and aware of, um, kind of told this story that I was already telling and it just felt like a very natural direction for it to go in. And it also led to like a lot of really fun animal cruelty experimentation images with EDM music. (laughs) (laughs) And you couldn't get that with with a with a talent agency company, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> bass blaring as a guy walks down the runway just yeah. doesn't quite have the same. I, I will say the ending is the ending was one of the first things I came up with, and I stuck with it with like, you know, where all the characters ended up. Even like that mm-hmm. final scene in Don't Feed the Muse Three with every character except for Alex, we see them like leave their homes and walk into a forest and go to the mother muse. Like even like the exact visuals of that were planned from the very start. And I was just like, this is where we're headed. I gotta stick with this. That is also like such a strong visual to end on. Like I understand why you wouldn't <laughs> want to compromise that. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Uh, going going back to the meat stuff, uh, Martin and I have an incredibly important question. Uh, Jeet raw meat. <laughs> I forgot we were going to ask about this. Thank you for remembering. <laughs> That's top of my list, Martin. Don't worry. What are your What are your guesses? My my guess is watermelon. Yeah, that I've, was my I've guess. Heard that used in other things before. Our, yeah, I think we settled on like just really wet watermelon or like watermelon with something on it. <laughs> my my other answer is yeah, he just did it. Yeah. <laughs> You know what? We gotta get the shot. Let's do it. Uh, yeah, it was watermelon. Um, okay. Ah! Well done. Well done. Hey, you guys are honorary theorists now. Um, I guess you guys were already kind of theorists. Uh, um, but yeah, honestly, I I thought about that for a while. I looked up like, could I actually like figure out a way to eat raw meat and like make it be healthy? But then I I looked up like other like ways people have done like faked it before and i did soak watermelon in water for a while but it was kind of gross in the end i just used a fresh piece of watermelon and i think it looks great um Mm -hmm. yeah i'm just like wow like i i spent so much time like thinking about how to do it and it was just a very simple easy answer (laughs) yeah i think that the milk that i chugged was was gross that's that's never fun Mm. just chugging a, a lot of milk I didn't even drink milk normally, so that, that's the <laughs> yeah. scariest thing that happened in the arc. Yeah, I yeah, I think I I feel like the those shots of like you eating the quote unquote meat are at like just the right distance where it's like, is that is that really meat? Yeah, like we I, I talked to my DP Jack Owen. It's like this will be the shot where it's like the muse's POV and it's really far away and it conveniently doesn't really show the meat. <laughs> <laughs> It looks like just gross and like wet enough that I mm-hmm. believe that I was like I would believe that that was like a piece of raw meat. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a lot of comments like people and like reaction videos of people like, "Oh my god, he ate real raw meat." <laughs> um. <laughs> on a uh, on a similar note, uh, how many cats did you audition for the, for the series? <laughs> oh yeah. You know, it was a it was a lengthy casting process. Uh, mm-hmm. We had to get a SAG actor cat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that's just um, that is my production designer's cat Uwe, and uh, yeah, she's really uh, or he, sorry, uh, he's really well behaved. I say she because I have a female cat now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, I did not have a cat at the time. Uh, so yeah, Uwe. Uh, very well behaved uh like honestly that was like one of the big concerns when i when i wrote the script for don't feed the muse three when i and i showed it to all like my friends and crew they're like hey this is great but like you're really expecting to get all this cat stuff um and it was tricky sometimes but some days uh Uwe was just the, the the bestest boy um he he hated the white void scene that like oh no yeah mm. in, in like bringing this cat to a massive like white void film studio like we we basically like set aside like an entire day just to shoot those white void cat shots because he was freaked out um Aww. but when we did film all these stuff like uh all the shots of the cat in like my living room or in the party are actually inside of uh the cat's home where it feels comfortable and he just okay. performs super well. Like all those shots of him perfectly sitting still. So great. Oh yeah. He seems 
like he's just chilling a lot of the time in those shots. I was Real like, what natural. a well-behaved little very, guy. Very well-behaved, yeah. I'm sure Genevieve will love hearing all of this <laughs> about, uh, praise for this cat. <laughs> we love Oogway. He's very handsome. Yeah. I have a lot of really funny bloopers of like trying to, to get the, the cat to look at the camera and like jingling keys and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> How was, like, filming all of the stuff in the white void where it's really just you talking to yourself? That was a big challenge. That was the first thing we shot for Don't Feed the Muse 3. Um, And, like, yeah, logistically, just, like, just from breaking down the script, it's like we are in this space where there is no discernible geography and also I am both characters. Um so it, it was just, like, a real headache even, like, planning out the shots and, like, keeping track of everything mm-hmm. to the point where, like, me and my my talented DP, Jack Owen, like, really planned out it a lot. Uh, like, I, I made, like, a, a storyboard with stock photos um, <laughs> that I think you guys probably have seen because I've shared it in our group chat um, uh, of, of, like, the geography of everything. Um and yeah, I mean, the, the good thing is, like, we had, like, three days to shoot it, that whole scene, which is a good amount of time for, like, that amount of screen time. So we really could take our time. Um, and it was, you know, it was tough, like, uh, every, you know, every, like, 10, 20 minutes running to the green room and changing into a suit or changing into the SpongeBob thing. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was fun. It was also, like, just a, a fun challenge, like creatively and filmmaking wise like you're we're so limited with this white void visually so we have to think of interesting ways to shoot it to keep it interesting mm-hmm. we're with, we're in that scene for like what five six seven minutes like it's long mm-hmm. um so like they're coming up with fun stuff like the way the space works and like the teleporting around is fun or uh the ways that we kind of like move the camera around we did lots of like um we did lots of like up and down motions that I usually haven't done. Mm-hmm. And then there's that, like that fun, like a uh, walking sequence where I pass by myself three times. Oh yeah. That was very good. <laughs> yeah. That was cool. The walking in the white void. Uh, that was all like on a little treadmill too. Oh, okay. That's so cool. <laughs> Cause you know, we, we have like a very specific, li- specific lighting setup for that uh-huh. one specific spot. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I actually moved out of it, like it'd be gone. And then it was, like, a, just a fun challenge to, like, try and, like, recreate my motion with the camera for the suit takes and then splicing them together. So did you do, huh. like, all of the takes in one outfit and then just change and do all of the takes in the other? It was uh, a little bit of both. It was, like, a, a weird, it was a very weird shooting schedule. Um, like, usually with a clone scene what you have to do is like lock off the camera. Okay. Shoot this part now quickly change and shoot this other part. Um, Cause you know, you, you want to splice it together, but the, mm-hmm. the benefit of the white void scene is like the background is always the same. Yeah. So sometimes mm-hmm. you can just knock out a bunch of like suit Alex stuff and then knock out a bunch of uh, regular Alex stuff and splice them together. And it just looks fine. Cause it's all white. So there, there was benefits to the white void for sure. Yeah, I was I was thinking that as I was watching it, I was like, oh, this, like, I, I understand, like, this is really easy to splice together. <laughs> was it, 
I guess speaking of these scenes of you talking to yourself and with the thing as a whole, was it hard or weird writing and then performing a character named Alex, Alex. who is <laughs> you, but not you. And then later, not, not you, but not you. Was that hard to do? Was it easy? How did you find that? I mean, I think I have improved as an actor. And I think one of, one of the reasons why like the acting and don't feed the muse in my opinion, the stuff that I have done have kind of worked is because I don't give myself anything that I don't think I can handle. And mm. I can handle playing myself. And uh, I think I'm pretty good at like looking scared at something. I don't like, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think I, I probably, I have played Alex Bale the most out of any other role. So <laughs> it, it was like the most natural one for me to do. Um, and it was it was a fun challenge, like switching it up later on and playing like the more evil muse, Alex. Um, and I remember like like one of your your criticisms, Andrew, from Pizza Time Pizza was that like the the evil Alex I had was like kind of boring, kind of just like look <laughs> evil dark version. So like I, that stuck with me, and I was like, I really want to make like a like kind of a fun, nonchalant like whimsy character and i i had a lot of fun developing that well i'm, I'm happy to play what little role i played in. yeah thank you <laughs> i always said andrew yeah this this will knock the socks off <laughs> <laughs> was it was it hard acting against like only yourself in that scene and just like not having really anybody else who gave like was there to give you stuff to work with that was tough yeah that was the big challenge um i mean i was looking at like a tennis ball with a with a little drawing of my face on it there's like some pictures on twitter um <laughs> yeah that, that was tough i i really spent a lot of time uh just rehearsing those lines and playing around with it and really trying to break down the character and the script beforehand so that i felt prepared on set um luckily you know i i have a lot of the crew there, like we're, we're really close and friends and it's a really great collaborative environment. So I always ask them like, what do they think of my performance? Uh, and they, they've always given me really good notes. So that was very helpful. So I guess, as we've said a couple different times, what you've made is really cool, really good. If you had unlimited time, unlimited budget, is there anything that you would have added to it or done differently or changed to say like, Oh, if we could have shot this in space, then here's an idea. But like, <laughs> if you have any, any like pie in the sky ideas that you just couldn't do. I think the biggest challenge for me in terms of like budget and time and stuff was the happy meat farm side, because mm -hmm. that is like, that's a location. That's like a, a compound facility that I doesn't really exist that I don't have access to. So the best I could show is like images or maybe even like some 3D models that I hire someone to make. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, you know, if, if, if I could just go crazy, I would love to show more of that building and make some scenes in there. I, I think I would like still end the story where I ended it. Um, but it would have been, you know, there, there would have been a, a lot of cool set pieces I could have done in Happy Meat Farms. Um, that's probably the main thing. How how did you put together the uh, like the tour video? Is that just a bunch of stills and then that's so that is uh, videos of I, those images were taken from videos of people who 
explore like abandoned like locations and I, I reached out to like a bunch of them and said like hey I'm doing a weird horror thing can I like take stills from your videos and some didn't respond some said no and some said yes and then it was a process of like taking the best screenshots and then just spending hours and hours photoshopping it gotta add hair to this one gotta add a lot of hair yeah <laughs> I was gonna say I, I remembered it at some point you maybe posted publicly or something that you were looking for just like videos of abandoned buildings <laughs> cause I remember you like had trouble finding them or something it was tough I mean uh, some of these people that like have these 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 that do these videos like they're they're protective of their videos for good reason cause like one guy even told me, like, listen, I, you know, I, I put a lot on the line to go here. I'm trespassing. Mm-hmm. I I am risking my own safety. Like, you know, I, I don't really want uh, other people, like, using them and making money off them, which is fine, which makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, honestly, I, I like, just like how, how you, Andrew, your video recommendations became theories, my video recommendations became uh, all the urban... Uh, abandoned exploring <laughs> videos. I feel like I'm I'm on that side of YouTube now. <laughs> well, I, I I I will say, in the end of the day, I do like that. Uh, you've got your finger on the YouTube algorithmic pulse, and I'm glad that you're using it for good to tell a cool story instead of like a Mr. Beast style. My finger's on the pulse. I'm gonna make the weirdest, schlockiest videos imaginable. <laughs> It is funny, like, I, I use this story to tell, I you know, I told this story about YouTube, and I learned so many things about it, but, like, coming out of it, I'm still, like, well, I kind of still want to make money on YouTube, and I, yeah. I kind of <laughs> enjoy the fan theory type of stuff, so I'm, I'm going to keep doing that, um, but I, I think I've, like, found a really good balance where, uh, you know, now I can... I can make these fun fan theory videos uh, and, and they make money. And then on the side, I can work on bigger film projects and it, it all kind of works out. When you started getting sponsorships, did they know? Well, <laughs> did you have to explain to them that it wasn't just like I'm making cartoon theories on YouTube? <laughs> um, No, I, I really just like, uh yeah I, for the for the at least for like the spongebob ones that were like a mix of the two yeah i i just told them like yeah it's just a spongebob theory uh or or they didn't ask you know they said they were interested in like being in a spongebob thing um i don't know if they watched the video i don't know if they know anything about <laughs> it but yeah i don't think they care like they you know it they they think it's the right audience and it's getting views so i think that's what what matters to them it even like the it was funny to like include them in the actual don't feed the muse films because that that was a little mm-hmm. bit of a sell that was a little more like okay this is like a film i'm making but like you know it is still like the same fans from the spongebob stuff so like you know i think people are still gonna watch it uh i don't know it, it didn't get into like a big debate or anything that is very funny that they were just like yeah spongebob thing will sponsor <laughs> yeah I, it, it, it is funny uh incorporating sponsors into the just the film parts alone uh-huh. uh like both like 
organically in the middle or just in the beginning. Um, I don't think there's anywhere else I could do that except YouTube and get away with it, you know, Mm-mm. from like an audience like being like, oh, yeah, we're going to stop this, this serious film to watch a Surfshark ad. I know I know at least one person who I've recommended the series to like went in thinking the sponsorships were like a bit that you were doing. And I was like, no, no, no they're real. He got paid for those. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. A lot of people do question them, whether they're real or not. And even, like, early on, one of these smaller companies uh, that I, I sponsored with, Bright Sellers, the wine one, mm-hmm. uh, I knew, like, people didn't know them as well. So I knew, like, people would think they actually were a part of the ARG. And I think this was right after Happy Meat Farms did sponsorships, too. So I mm-hmm. didn't warn them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, listen, you might get some, like, weird people that think this is like part of an ARG. I did, I did have to specify that, but it all worked out. (laughs) Good news. They'll know your name. Bad news. They'll think you're fake. (laughs) You might get some weird phone calls. They'll they'll buy the, if you just play along and tell them that there'll be lore in the wine, you might, you might (laughs) get yourself a customer. (laughs) That one was probably my favorite though. The wine, Thank you, thank you. I I like the, I think my favorite now are just the ones with like the live element of like Mm -hmm. trolling strangers. I, going into a video game lobby and making people talk about NordVPN is one of the funniest things I've heard in a long time. (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Yeah, those are like, those are fun, but they're also tough because it's like, it's honestly hours and hours of, of attempts and, like, a mm-hmm. lot of times I will join a gamer lobby and, like, read my little script and they will just be dead silence or just tell me <laughs> you're not funny. And it's, like, kind of soul-crushing a little bit because you're really, like, trying. And it, you just got to tell yourself, like, it's it'll pay off in the end. But it, it's, like, yeah, it's it's a little tough sometimes. Uh, I don't always get the best reactions. Um, I was going to say, like, that's so brave to just go in and and say shit in gaming lobbies <laughs> yeah it's yeah people some people get really mad uh i i mean i definitely like especially when i first got the idea and started doing it was like really nervous and being like hey hey guys you want to talk about raid shadow legends <laughs> uh but I, I i think i've learned to be a little more bold and uh just like how like you know mean youtube comments don't really affect me anymore now mean voice chat stuff won't really affect me because i'm a little desensitized <laughs> yeah i can't imagine the amount of people that just like start saying slurs in there yeah and i'm just like can you say that again but like a little differently (laughs) because i can't (laughs) can you like could you could you maybe react but be a little more positive towards raid shadow legends when you curse me out this time like I need you to be angry at me, not at the brand. <laughs> you can call me a fucker, but yeah. Raid Shadow Legends isn't. Don't talk shit about Raid Shadow Legends, okay? <laughs> you get fifty free summons. <laughs> Incredible. Well, I I think that's all the the questions and stuff that I have. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah, I think I think I think we hit them all. Yeah. Actually, I got I've got one more very important question. 
this one came in from our friend Time Warp, who says, uh, "Did you have fun?" Yeah, yeah, I had fun. I had a lot of fun. Sometimes I don't have fun, but mostly I did have fun. And I, <laughs> I look back on the whole project with a smile on my face. Um, and I guess if we're wrapping up, I just I'll just say like I think. Uh, and I joke about this with the crew, you can kind of watch these and like not think about the behind the scenes and just get the impression that like, this is just me doing all of this stuff. But it like, especially towards the end has become like a massive collaborative effort, like with the other actors, but especially with the other crew members, uh, you know, they, they just some of the most talented, nicest people I have ever met uh, that I'm just so glad to like, be able to call my friends and also the people that I work with. Um, like, yeah, I, I think, you know, the, you'll, you'll notice like the videos suddenly start looking really good because Jack Owen takes over as the DP and, and I'm no longer limited by my, my skills that have a cap or, uh, you know, this last video I think looks great and has a bunch of really great sets because, Genevieve, uh, my production designer, stepped in and really killed it. And yeah, I, I, I'm just like, uh, I, I hope everyone acknowledges their contributions too and shows them some love because it's it's far from only me. Do you have a, like a full credits text list somewhere? Because I'd love to put that in our show notes. Yeah, the, at, at least for Don't Feed the Muse 3 uh, in both the description and at the end it's that's most of the credits there um there's some like more credits for like the larger arg that like i'll probably eventually i'll probably eventually credit everyone when i make like a bigger don't feed the muse compilation with all the films combined okay well good i'll make sure that those get into the show notes yeah awesome awesome thank you so much guys this was this was a lot of fun i love your guys's podcast i um you know even like hearing you like talk about like pizza time pizza and old root was like so much fun to me and like so validating. Like I, you guys have like talked about stuff that like I have never heard heard anyone else talk about. And that's, that's felt really good. Like I think specifically you guys talked about in don't feed the muse too. some of the scenes where it was just like me and Wesley, like sitting in our backyard, drinking beer, talking like I have never seen anyone like actually dissect that scene. I've only seen people talk about the the crazy horror muse scenes. Uh, so yeah, it, it was very it was it was really nice hearing all the nice words about that. I yeah I I feel like it's it's easy to kind of get a little bit lost in the sauce and not appreciate the fact that like the don't feel the muse. I feel like has su- such like really good moments of just like human emotion that shine through. And a lot of them were just like, I was just like astounded at them. And I really enjoyed them. Like the, the, the little unlisted video where, uh, Marcus, the phone call about his mom dying is like one of my favorite videos in the whole thing. Cause I was like, Holy shit. Yeah, me too. Um, Thank you. <laughs> like, that that actor just like absolutely killed it i was like why aren't people appreciating this more (laughs) you know because we hit it in an unlisted video (laughs) the best best performance of the entire web series and you have to like go through layers of code to 
to find it. <laughs> yeah, and like whenever I I recommend the series to people now, I like you have to watch like the playlist that has the unlisted videos because then you have like you won't be able to see my favorite video in the whole series otherwise. Zach Freeman nominated for unlisted video number thirty eight. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where's the Webby? Yeah, uh, he he did great. I I, I remember specifically like really uh, enjoying like talking with him about that and i was just like yeah go go as hard as you can i like i i want to i want to see you go crazy and i knew from like from experience that he was able to do that and Mm -hmm. he just killed it yeah that's like one of my one of my favorite parts of the whole series is that is that like 40 second video (laughs) i never i never like wrote a scene like that with me because i knew like i I, Mm -hmm. i couldn't handle something like that but i i i trusted him and he really pulled it off yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like like when you know that like an actor can kind of pull that out of their like out of their bag of like things that they do very well, like why not why not use it? <laughs> yeah, that's that's why like cynical critic is dealing with his mom dying and I'm dealing with I wanna make films, I don't wanna make SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> you know. You use you use what you got. <laughs> Uh, it's always a good feeling when you can look at a script and just write, you know, Zach does his thing. Zach, Zach yeah. brings the magic. Zach like. screams. <laughs> oh, should we do recommendations? I, I think we should. Uh, yeah, at the end of our episodes, we like to recommend oh. things that we've been checking out lately. So, Marn, I'll make you go first. Do you have a recommendation for us? Um, yeah, I can't believe I haven't talked about this on the show yet, but our, our recording schedule has been weird and I forgot to talk about it. Um, maybe I have and I forgot, whatever, that would be thematic. Uh, I watched an anime called Erased uh, about a month ago and I have not stopped thinking about it since. <laughs> Erased is so good. <laughs> yeah, I know I told yeah, you that good. I was watching it and you were like, oh shit, I love Erased. um it's really good it's 12 episodes uh it is a like weird time loopy psychological mystery about this guy who um basically like becomes a, a suspect in a in a murder case and he uses this like time travel ability that he has to like send his adult consciousness all the way back in time to when he was a kid and there was like a string of unsolved murders in his town that have like affected his present day life and like him being framed for murder in the present and so he has to like live out this period of time as his like 10 year old 11 year old self knowing what he knows now from the present and like trying to stop his classmates from being murdered. Um, and it is so good. Yeah. It's really fun. I've seen it. it- I, uh, I watched it with, uh, my wife who also hadn't seen it and some friends who had seen it. Um, and there were times where we like figured something out as like either before the characters or as they were figuring it out and just started like yelling at the TV. <laughs> It does one of my favorite things in anime where it's just like, look, our main character has a magic power. 
it doesn't matter, but it is needed to set up the plot, but then you don't have to worry about it ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Don't think about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I was, I was, I was just talking to someone earlier today. Like sometimes the the answer to your question about like the lore of something is just like don't worry about it. Don't worry about <laughs> it. it. That it's it's why the story is good. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Does the cynical critic have a different brother? Don't worry about it. Don't yeah. matter. <laughs> don't worry about what the muses are. You don't need to know. <laughs> yeah, like where where do they come from? Who? Can, don't worry about it. <laughs> the important thing is it's full of SpongeBob lore. <laughs> Uh, anyway, go watch a race. It's really good. <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, I got a recommendation this week. It is, I'm going to do something rare and I might regret it. Uh, <gasps> I'm, I'm going to make a recommendation without having actually watched the thing that I'm recommending. Whoa. Whoa. And, and I'm about to start saying some words. Stick with me. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> when I was in like, Middle school and high school, there was an old TV show that aired on like Spike TV. Uh, but it was a show called MXC, like Most Extreme Challenge. And what it was was dubbed footage of a Japanese reality show called Takeshi's Castle that. They brought over to the U.S. and then redubbed a bunch of jokes over as this reality show is playing out. The reality show Takeshi's Castle is a uh, it's kind of like Wipeout or American Ninja Warrior if it was made for comedic purposes, where a bunch of people have to go through an old like go through an obstacle course with the Mm -hmm. idea being that they are trying to reach the castle at the top of the hill. Um where they have like over the top characters, like a Baron lives up there and is, you know, blah, blah, blah. You're part of the army trying to get to the castle to raid it. Um, MXC is a really bad show. I tried to revisit (laughs) it on Amazon and it is some of the like, Oh boy, this sure was made in the early two thousands. Isn't it? Um, It's really a lot of that humor. It doesn't hold up. However, on Amazon Prime, they have brought it back, an actual season of Takeshi's Castle that they've remade today. <gasps> uh, Takeshi's Castle's back on the air, and you can watch it and watch this like newly made reality show that is like Wipeout, like a little Squid Game, a little uh, it's it's like an obstacle course uh, death game almost as people try to make their way to this castle. Um, if you want to really see a, a more interestingly themed American Ninja Warrior, uh, this is where you go to get your fill. And Whoa. I would say, check out Takashi's Castle. Do not check out MXC. <laughs> it does not hold up. It is a thing I liked when I was in middle school. Take that as you will, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I would recommend it exists on Amazon. I watched a little bit of it the other day. The magic is the magic that I remember from a ver- worse version of the show is back and it's alive in bog form. Um, <laughs> so you're in for a good time. That's my recommendation this week is a show I haven't seen yet. This sounds like a good topic. I can make a theory about. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I consume media now is like, oh, can I use this to make money? Can I make a theory about this? <laughs> and it's the only way I can enjoy something. 
I do appreciate you as the, the first creator to figure out how to monetize an ARG. I did it. <laughs> yeah. I did it. <laughs> and, and it wasn't just like monetize. It was like uh, also fund itself, which was, which was great. Yeah, because like the, you know, it was directly because the SpongeBob blew up and the, the sponsors came out that I was able to have like a, a bigger budget finale. That's wild. That's incredible. That's awesome. Like there's probably a, a universe where like, the SpongeBob theories kind of fell off. I didn't get any sponsors where it was just like a, a much shittier version from much less money and much less scope. And Alex never makes it out. He's still in the muse trying to make <laughs> it through the SpongeBob mines. Alex, do you have a, a recommendation for us? Anything you've been watching lately? Can I can I just recommend my channel? Because I don't, yes. don't want to give any competition. <laughs> yeah, <you're> <laughs> Absolutely. I'll, I'll, I'll recommend... Um, uh, the Jeffy channel, our, our, our friend on on Twitter. Mm. Hey, um, Jeff! Yeah, yeah. He made ten tapes, but he he also has a YouTube channel. Um, and not enough people watch it. I I think he makes really great videos talking about a lot of different stuff. But lately, he has been covering a lot of smaller different ARGs, and I really uh, like the way that he is covering them. He's covering topics that are like mostly not uh finished yet, mostly starting out, and a lot of them that like don't have an audience yet. And he's just sort of pitching the tease of it. He's explaining the trailhead and just enough to get you hooked. And then that's it. And he's not going to like follow up with it. He just is helping ARGs basically build an audience, which is really awesome. And I think more people should watch his stuff. Oh, yeah. He did He did a video where he talks about the Cool Math Games he ARG. Did. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Funny guy, too. His channel's good. Yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I, you can also just watch my channel, too. My channel's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I got more theories coming, you know. <laughs> the thing the thing with Jeff yet, and I promise this isn't, like, the reason I hate this guy. The reason uh, I hate Jeff yet. I was Let like, you've recommended you. his videos before, I'm pretty sure, Andrew. <laughs> no, the problem is, look... His thumbnails are too effective and they, they creep me out. <laughs> and so I, I don't want to click on his videos because then I'm worried that it's going to, I'm going to log into YouTube and then get scared. Uh, it's a, it's a, a vicious cycle. That's his problem. I'll tell him, make them less scary. You're, too, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're scaring off all the views, man. Make worse thumbnails. You can just do that. That'd be great. You're scary. Can I, can I tease my theory before my, my my theory that I recorded last night before we end. Yes. I'd love it if you did. I'll, I'll give you guys like an exclusive and then I'll tell people like, you want to find out my next topic? You got to watch the podcast. You got to go to the end. Perfect. Um, so I'm doing a Pixar theory. Um, I'm tackling sort of the, the most well-known fan theory of all time, which is the Pixar theory, like the idea that like every Pixar movie is connected and you can mm -hmm. like connect all these movies with little Easter eggs and stuff. Like, I think when you think fan theory, you probably think of that theory. And there's just like a million different versions of it on YouTube. You know, Tarzan's Elsa's dad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, I usually would avoid a topic like that because there'd be nothing else to say. But I have discovered a very interesting new alternative approach to the theory that I have never seen talked about again and i'm really excited to talk about it because like it's not based on like little easter eggs saying like oh maybe they're in the same universe like it's it's based on like actual hard evidence that i have never even seen mentioned in another theory before so i'm excited mm. so it's based off when when tarzan looks into the camera and says <laughs> elsa my daughter <laughs> okay 
I'm fascinated I'm, by I'm this. I'm excited for it. I can tell is you guys the actual, like, what the gimmick is once we stop recording. Okay, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it is, I do love, I, uh, I I had set my, um, when we were covering the, the ARG, I was looking through everything, and then you put out the finale video, and I was, I was a couple days late to that, just due to our timeline, but then you put out a video that was like, what comes next, you know, for, for me, and I was like, well, I can watch that, it's not a spoiler, uh, and in that one, you were like, so I'm going to make some more some more theories. And I was <laughs> like, that's not thematically relevant. What are you doing? <laughs> and I'm excited that you've like landed on some cool stuff to cover. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I've got a lot of ideas um, of like a lot of different stuff. And I, I'm looking everywhere. I, I'm, I'm like, you know, I will. I'm slowly branching away from from kids content. Um and, you know, these Pixar theories are a little more adult, but I, I have some really weird topics in mind and I'm, I'm just, I'm on the lookout. I'm on the hunt while I also work on the bigger film projects in the background. You're theory brained now. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited for you to pitch Columbia pictures on just like, so I'd like to unite the lost timelines. If <laughs> could go through that. No, thank you again for joining us. This has been a lot of fun. I'm excited to see what you've got coming down the pipe. Uh, and it really, it means a lot that you came on to talk about this with us. Of this course. is yeah. one of my favorite things that we've covered in a long time. So Aww. it's been, it's been a delight going through. Thank it with you, you so much. I love you guys. Oh, well, I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, Alex, if people want to find you online, where can they find you? You can type Alex Bale or SpongeBob conspiracy and just about anywhere but usually on youtube and you'll find it yeah that's how i tell people like when i when i meet someone in a bar and like telling them what i do i'm just like just look up spongebob theory and i'll be like one of the top but not the skins not guy. the skin theory not the skins guy i'm the other one <laughs> <laughs> all right are you on any social media or anything you want to shout out uh yeah um I think I'm Alex Bale Real on on Twitter because my my Twitter was hacked. <laughs> uh, and then I'm Alex underscore underscore Bale on Instagram. And I have a Patreon somewhere. Alex Bale. I don't know. You'll figure you can find it. Just go to my YouTube. <laughs> you'll find notes. everything else. Whatever. Yeah, we'll put it up in the show notes too. Yeah, Buy I'll a stick. sticker. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, if you want to find uh, find Marn or I, uh, you can find us. We are together on Twitter at Argonauts Pod. Otherwise, you can find us individually. I am at co-host Sherms. I am at Corpse Survivors. And if you want to support the show directly, you can do so. We have a Patreon that's at P-U-H-T-R-A-Y-I-N.com. Otherwise, you can find us as part of the Moonshot Network, a, a, a podcast network that we uh, run, essentially. Uh, <laughs> if you want to support that, that'd be great. Uh, we got a lot of really great shows and a lot of great podcasts you can find, like the ones at the start and end of this, uh, of this podcast. So uh, thank you for coming out. And until next time, well, that's ARGS, baby. French Revolution is the most important step of the human race since the advent of Christ. Are you going to counterpoint the part where I say that Jean Valjean is Santa? Maybe. <laughs> the mouse plus the cat is the revised and corrected proof of creation.
to accept that it really isn't Christmas until... Till somebody cries. Exactly. Ho, ho, ho. You are putting the Thunderbolt on trial. Hi, I'm Juliet. And I'm Catherine. And we're I'll Be Pod for Castmas, a seasonal podcast where we overanalyze Christmas pop songs and put them into conversation with some unlikely pieces of literature. This December, we're covering Carly Rae Jepsen's It's Not Christmas Till Somebody Cries, alongside Victor Hugo's Les Miserables, and also just the Les Mis musical. Don't be a Grinch! Or a Javert. Join us on I'll Be Pod for Castmas on the Moonshot Podcast Network.